Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. And so um, from time to time, you'll see different men up here uh, bringing you the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are just mailmen pointing to the beauty of who Jesus is. And as we, as we worship him, uh, we become like him. And so it's just a privilege to be uh, with you this morning, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, one, uh, actually two quick announcements. One, we have membership class right after this um, uh, at 12 noon, right at the North Classroom. So if you haven't been here or don't know where that is, as you, as you go out these doors to the left, uh, we have a little classroom. Uh, we don't have childcare available anymore. That's full. But if you'd like to come learn more about the Door Church and learn more about membership, we'd love to have you uh, directly after this starting at noon. Uh, and then secondly, this is the last week that will be in the heart of Christ. It certainly blessed me. And hopefully it's blessed uh, you. Um, <clears throat> but the, the series following that is we're going to to really be doing a vision series. So it's three weeks. Uh, if you've been uh, having any questions or wondering, you know, just more about the mission, vision of the Door Church, we're having a three-week series. It's called A Decade of Development. And really, this is open-handed. This is what uh, we're aiming towards, um, just really by God's grace. And we want you to love it, know it, and be a part of it. And if you listen to that, it's development. Part of the job of the elders and the staff is we want to equip the saints for ministry. We want to help everyone uh, be pointers to who Jesus is uh, in, in, in their world. And so we're super excited about that, that series. And so if you have your Bible, grab it. <clears throat> we'll be in, in Matthew 11. Uh, the main text this morning will be Matthew 11, verse 19. Yet we're going to start in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 uh, through 30. And the sermon title this morning is The Heart of Christ for Tax Collector, for tax collectors and sinners, the heart of Christ for tax collectors and sinners. But I want to have a quick introduction to the series, just simply about the heart of Christ, which is Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. It says this, come to me. So Jesus is talking here, and he's beckoning this invitation to people um, to, to come to him. This is an invitation to all people, uh, really, to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, and he is an invitation to God. He says, come to me who is God. And then he says, who is the invitation for those who, who, who labor and are heavy laden? Those are, those are people that are working really hard, try, trying to perform. He says, those are the people I want to come to me, <clears throat> and the offer is to find rest. Now, whether you know it or not, we're always on. And what the on means, we're working uh, to perform, to try to earn, we're trying to achieve. Uh, and so maybe you understand that's towards God. Maybe that's right here today. It's like, man, I've done some bad things, just need to get a little church in here, maybe get a few songs, God will look down on me and have a good week. But we have this idea that I need to do a little bit better to have this approval, to have a status, to be accepted by God, but also by others. This is why almost we do everything in life. It's why that usually you know, there's other reasons, but the reason probably why you're trying to achieve the thing you're trying to achieve at work or have the money that you are trying to have uh, or the likes on the social media that you want, you're trying to look for approval, status, and love through what? Performance. And Jesus is saying, come to me because you know what? I know you're tired. It's exhausting. 
We're all on this performance treadmill trying to achieve, and Jesus is giving you an invitation to step off the performance treadmill of achievement, and he says, you can come to me and find rest, rest for your souls. Now, what this whole sermon series has been um, really trying to analyze and double-click on is this, this self-disclosure that Jesus gives in Matthew eleven twenty-eight verses uh, through 30. It says that I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus, God, is saying, I am gentle and lowly in my heart. This is, this is at the core of who Jesus is. If you had to peel back and who you think Christ is, he says himself, I am gentle and lowly. Now, this is hard for us to understand because a lot of us think Jesus and God is like, maybe he's a score, scorekeeper and, and vengeful. Or you may think that Jesus, as he would disclose himself, is like, I'm a performance manager, a behavior modifier, and we'll see how you're doing. Right? No, but Jesus' self-disclosure of himself is, I am gentle and lowly. Now, what I hope to do this morning by looking at Matthew eleven nineteen 19, is Jesus has this invitation to say, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, who, who are trying to perform to achieve. He's like, I want you to find rest. Why? Because I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, who is his heart for? Matthew eleven nineteen 19 really helps us understand because this proceeds uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 29. So let's read Matthew eleven nineteen, and we'll talk about it. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Now, um, the sermon title for this morning, again, is the heart of Christ for tax collectors and sinners. The text is what we just read. Now, our knee, our knee jerk reaction, our default mode of the human heart is, is works righteousness or performance. We're always trying to perform. That's what all of us do. When you go to bed and you wake up, you're going to try to achieve the next day. Why? Because that's how we're wired just in our flesh. Apart from the spirit of God intervention, this is how we try to relate to God. It's like, God, look how good I'm doing. You love me. Or you go to others, look how good I'm doing. You should love me. It's all performance driven. In our heart of hearts, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Why do you think God will love you? Not, not what the Bible says. This is not like, why do you think Jesus loves you? What I just said is he, he knows everyone's laboring and heavy laden. That means they're trying really hard. They're trying to achieve. What I think in my mind, when someone asks me, why does God love me? And I, so I'm a preacher. I, I love to preach about Jesus. My default mode is this. I think God loves me when I'm good. Just, I'm just being honest. So this is what comes out of me. This is what I feel. If I'm performing well, I think God's, he's, he's, he's okay with me. If I'm not, he's, he, his love has changed. Um, I think in my heart of hearts, what I think I know growing up, and I have to preach the gospel to myself, is that God loves the people that do the right things. Probably the non-cussers, the ones who don't struggle with the big sins. They may have some little sins, but definitely better than the most. Those are people who can keep the Ten Commandments, which we know no one can. But I think God loves the moral people, the religious people, the people who have it figured out. So what we believe about the Bible and Jesus, that he just gives good advice, that he's simply saying, hey, you should do this and don't do this. And depending how you do is my love is contingent on your behavior. And this is what leads to being this idea of laboring and heavy laden. We're exhausted. Why? Because we think the outcome is up to our performance. It's exhausting. 
then Jesus comes in here and says, you know, he says this. And what's so interesting, verse 19, he says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. What's interesting here, Jesus is quoting what people are saying about him as an accusation. Look, he is, he is, a, he is a drunkard, he is a glutton, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is the accusation. And Jesus is repeating this accusation. Now, what's interesting is what Jesus doesn't do. He didn't say, I didn't eat too much. They, they have it all wrong. I, only, I, was, I, was, I very measured in what I ate. He didn't say, I didn't have too much wine. They're, they're crazy. He didn't say, man, I'm not friends of tax collectors and sinners. No, he actually quotes them. And it, what, he, what I'm not saying is that Jesus was a glutton or a drunkard. What I am saying is Jesus is quoting these accusers to bring revelation. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What's interesting, he's using an accusation that people are saying, about was like, yes, I am. I am their friends. That's so interesting. And this speaks to my, my self-righteous performance heart. This is exactly who Jesus is. He is gentle and lowly in heart, a friend of, of tax, uh, tax collectors and sinners. Now, Again, this is accusation Jesus decides to quote and says, this is, there, there's some truth here that I want you to behold. Now, a tax collector um, is interesting. He says, Jesus is a friend of a tax collector. Tax collectors are not good people during this time. They would take money from the people that they, they grew up with, that they knew, friends, family, and send it back to uh, a government that would bring oppression to, to their people. So these are like people who betrayed their country, betrayed their, their, their brothers, their sisters, the people that are, that are their friends. They're, they're, they're usually thieves. They usually take too much. So these are scoundrels, right? So Jesus says, I'm their friend, right? Which is interesting. Uh, and then he goes on to say, and I'm a friend of sinners, and then he even defines what those sinners, gluttons and drunkards from, from the uh, previous statement, that, that he is friends of people that are overindulging in this life. I actually have not respect for, for, for drunkards and, and gluttons um, in the sense of like, I think you should. I have respect for the idea that people are trying to be satisfied, that, that people in their heart of hearts are trying to find life in this life. They're looking for purpose. They're trying to find fulfillment. If, if we're not lying, this is what we're all looking for. We're all looking to find life. For instance, I remember when Marcia and I first got married, I went to Texas Day Brazil. I didn't eat for like two days and I was going to party at Texas Day Brazil. It's a place where you have meat the whole time. And they just keep bringing me. I was like, I was, I was not going to tap out. And I, I, I did overeat. And I got to a point where I was trying to find life in this meat. And I got to the car and said, babe, you're going to have to drive home. And I laid in the back, right? <laughs> The point I was trying to find this life in food. We try to find life in alcohol. We try to find life in relationships. We try to find life anywhere and everywhere in this life. It's how we're made. We're looking, we're looking to be satisfied. Now, what Jesus is saying, man, I can satisfy. I can satisfy your heart with living water. So you're, you're gonna be parched when you drink of this world, but I'm, I'm eternal and I can satisfy that. So he says, these over, these over indulgers, these wicked people who are betraying their people, is I came to be friends with them. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I want to be friends with them. Now, why, why is that the case? 
Well, one is people that are tax collectors, that are thieves, are betraying their, their own and oppressing people. What I can say is they may be eating well, they may be living in a big house, but I guarantee as they put their head down at night, they don't feel good about it. They're not thinking it's like, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. I'm stealing from people and I'm bringing oppression to them. No one's feeling good about that. You're probably not sleeping well. And so they have a probably a, 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 a very unsettled heart. If you, if you know you're acting in sin in that way, you're like, you're probably not having a lot of peace in your life. Furthermore, if you are a sinner who's overindulging in anything in life, whether it could be sex, alcohol, uh, relationships, money, again, you, you know you're not satisfied. You, you know it. Because I've, I've, I've done all those things. I've been there. It's like, I think this is going to bring me life. And what, what do you do? You wake up, it's like, no life. Not satisfied. So Jesus says, I want to be a friend to the people who know there is no life where they're looking. There's a point, there's a point of integrity because tax collectors and sinners know they need help. Sinners know they need, sinners know they're sick and they need a physician. When you're helpless, you look what? For help. When you're hopeless, you look for hope. He's looking for those people. And that is all of us. He says, I'm a friend of tax collectors and, and sinners. And the question is, this is what Jesus is quoting. Is, is this true of scripture? Well, yes, Jesus' whole mission, his whole, his whole deal was I want to be friends with tax collectors and sinners. This is, this is why he came. He came for sick people. Matthew 1, verse 21. It's one of my favorite verses early on in scripture. Why? Because uh, it, it talks about Jesus, you know, his genealogy is going to be born. Uh, it says at the very beginning of this passage, now this, now the birth of Christ took place in this way. It's like, hey, God is becoming man uh, and, and going to dwell among us. And it says, why? She will bear a son. That's Mary. And this angel saying, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? for he will save his people from their sins. This is the only reason that Jesus came. Why? To save people from their sins. To be what? Friends of tax collectors and sinners. This is his whole mission. To be friends with the least of these, the down and outs, the people who know they're sick. Now, I'll, I'll go to another passage to double click on, on this, this is true. So Jesus not only quotes this accusation to bring revelation, and by God's grace, I hope that you're seeing that he wants to be friends with the tax collector and sinners. And here, here's the spoiler, that's you, that's you and me. He wants to be friends with us. Let's go to Luke 15, if you have your Bible. Verse one, it says this, now the tax collectors and sinners, what? We're all drawing near to him. So who likes Jesus? <laughs> the tax collectors and sinners. They're all drawing near to him. You know, in, in this next text, verse two, you know who did not like Jesus? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. You know who doesn't like Jesus? It's, 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 it's the preachers. It's the people in church. They're like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like what this guy's saying. Why? Because he's befriending tax collectors and sinners. Why do, the, 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 to, do preachers and the Pharisees and the religious people not like Jesus? Why? Because those people are very full of themselves. They're full of self-righteousness. So they're not seeing that they're a sinner in need of grace. They think they're gonna be okay. They think they're achieving. And Jesus says, there's no one achieving. There's only sinners who need a savior. And then he goes on 
to illustrate this point in Luke 15 by telling us different parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, that Jesus wants to be friends, friends with the tax collectors and sinners. Verse three, uh, it says this. So he told them a parable. He's telling this to, to Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners. What, a man, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost just so, I tell you, there will be more joy, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, the point of that story is, where does God rejoice? When a sinner repents. It's not saying there's 99 people who don't need repentance. No, everyone needs repentance, but he gets excited when a sinner turns to his son. That's where Jesus finds joy, when the lost become found. Again, he tells this parable that he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners when he says the lost coin. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over what? One sinner who repents. The whole mission of Jesus is to befriend lost sinners. That, that's why he came. I was actually thinking about this because what Jesus said, what he said is, I want you to come to me. That's what he said. I want you to come to me. I want you to know that I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And he is saying, those who come are the ones that understand that they're sick. One thing as I was praying this morning, <laughs> The only way that God works in your heart this morning is to understand that you're the tax collector and you're the sinner. That, that's, that's, that's who we are apart from Jesus. That, that's who I am. Like, I'm a sick person. Like, that's why we, we raise up people to, to point to Jesus. <laughs> I'm a sick person who needs a savior. That's, that's what Christianity is. Don't be confused about what Jesus is saying. This is not unique. This is his heart, and he came for you and me, who was the tax collector and the sinner. And then he double clicks on this in the prodigal son, because I want us to see what does he mean when he says he's, he, he befriends. He befriends tax collector and the sinner. And this is all coming in a line of thought is like, man, tax collectors and sinners are drawing near to him, and the Pharisees are completely rejecting him. Um, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son, the father if you don't know the story, embraces the prodigal son. But in this, I think it's a beautiful illustration how it shows Jesus befriending a sinner. So a friend, uh, I think there's three things that need to happen for us to become friends with God, friends with Jesus. One, it's gonna take time. A good friend always gives what? It gives time. You gotta, you gotta have time. Uh, there's patience with friendships. Number two, there has to be safety. There has to be safety. You gotta be a safe place or you're not really going to have intimacy with anyone. You can't be friends with anyone if you're not a safe person. Number three, especially with friends with Jesus, you got to see that he gave himself. You got to give himself, uh, gave himself. So friendship, time, safety, friendship. We'll look at um, the prodigal son through those lenses to help us, Lord, one become more acquainted with the friendship that Jesus offers with us as sinners. Uh, verses, uh, verses 11 
through 16. I'm simply going to summarize if you don't know it. So there is a, a father who's wealthy who has two sons. The younger brother basically is like, you know what? I'm tired of living under your household, dad. I want your stuff. I want my wealth. I want my inheritance. And the father's like, okay, I'm going to give you your inheritance. And then he rejects his dad. He rebels against his dad. He leaves his dad to a different country. And he lives very lavishly, recklessly, and he loses everything. He squanders all of his father's wealth. He's disobedient and he ends up very hungry. And then he starts feeding the pigs and he's like, man, he's even desiring to eat what the pigs have, but he can't have it because it's not his. So he's in a bad spot, right? This is us, tax collectors and sinners. Now, what's interesting, verse 17 shows us there's time. The father, father allows, the, father allows the son to rebel, to taste the fruit of his sin. But eventually, if you taste the fruit of the, your sin, You'll taste the bitterness of it. So it says this, verse 17, but when he came to him or came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. See, here you have this time. The father allows him to taste the bitterness of his sin. Before you ever become friends with Jesus, you're gonna have to be, get sick and tired of yourself. That's what has to happen. God's gonna have to show you there's no life in this world apart from him. You're gonna have to come to the end of yourself. You're gonna have to have a moment of clarity by the spirit of God it says when he came to himself. You're gonna have to say, well, this is not working out well. There's a, there's, there's a, you need a rock bottom moment. Um, Life, life is going to betray you. Whatever you're hoping in will leave you. Only Jesus is the only one who says, I'll never leave you, forsake you. And number two, your life, your character, apart from Jesus, will prove you out. What I mean by that, your morals, your goodness, apart from Jesus, apart from the alien rights of Christ, you will, you will fail. Uh, it will, your, your character will prove you out if you're not in Christ. And here's what I mean. I've met some really strong people that they're really good people until they're not. They're good for a long, long time, and then, then they're not. It's like, yeah, you may be strong. You may be able to hold weights for a very long time, but eventually you're gonna drop them. Why? Because you're not strong enough. Eventually, your character will prove you out, and then you gotta go, now what? Now, now what am I gonna do? You have to come to the end of yourself like the prodigal son did. Now, verse 18 and 20, so is safety. If we wanna be friends with Christ, we got to understand the safetyness that is within the character of God, that he is gentle and lowly. Listen, listen to this. He said, I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Listen to 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Did you hear, do you hear, the, you hear, the, you hear the, the safety of God in that, the safety of Jesus? See, Jesus is just not friendly with sinners. He's a friend of sinners. He, in this passage, the father's not like, man, I told you this is a bad idea. I, you know what? You deserve eating with the pigs. Is that what he did? No, he ran to him full of what? Compassion. And that's what's so interesting the father knew how this was going to end. Jesus knows what's the, the bitterness of sin, but he's compassionate towards you. Um, it, it says he kisses you. There, there's an idea here that's really sweet. To truly be friends with Jesus, 
You gotta, I think it takes two things to understand the safety. Jesus already knows everything about you, everything. And in this intimacy, the idea is into, into me he sees, like he's not surprised, which brings deep friendship. And I'll give you an illustration. My wife is my best friend. Why? Because she loves me well. And number two, she knows the most about me, not everything. Not everything. And I don't know everything about her. Why? Because I still am deceptive of myself and I still cover things. God's not that way. He sees all of you. The things that you think he can't see, he sees. And then, and then what's crazy, he meets you with compassion. He doesn't judge you for it. You're like, that, that's incredible. That God sees everything about you. The things that you would judge yourself about. And his response is not judgment, but what? It's compassion. To be fully known and fully loved by God will change your life. And this is the friendship that God offers. The safety to be fully seen. <laughs> like we think we're good at hiding. He sees all, he knows all. And he says, man, I'm compassionate towards you and there's no judgment. There's no judgment. Now, that's, that's this is where the gospel has to be because this makes no sense in our brains. Like, well, I could even, I, I could even hear, hear people thinking last gathering, and you're probably thinking too, he's like, he's not, he's, he, does, he, he judges sin. Well, yeah, he judges sin. Yes and amen. But he doesn't judge you. That's the idea. That in this illustration, you see in verse 20, 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put, on, put it on him and put the ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf to kill and let us eat and celebrate. The, the, the part, if you're gonna understand, be fr being friends with Jesus, that you're a sinner, a tax collector, uh, and a glutton, and an overindulger, as you got to understand, he fully sees, he fully knows, and doesn't judge you. Verse 22, it talks about what the father does. He puts a ring on his finger. This, this is a ring of family status. He's saying, you're not, you're not going to be defined by your sin. You're going to be defined by my name. You're going to be a son. You're going to be a daughter. So he, he knows who you are, but he's going he's gonna to give you a new name. He's going to give you a new name. It says he gave, gave him a robe. He's going to cover you. He's going he's to take off your unrighteousness and give you a righteousness that's not your own. He's going to give himself to clothe you in his righteousness. And he's going to invite you into something that you don't deserve, which is a party, an invitation to the family of God. He's going to celebrate even when you don't deserve to be celebrated. How is this true? How in the world is this true? It's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's because he gave himself for you. That's how it's true. Um, it says this in 1 Peter 3.18. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, he's righteous what for the unrighteous, that he might what bring us to God. Being put, that, being put to death in the flesh, made alive in the spirit. See, the way, the way that you become friends with God is through it's through the death of Christ, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's why he doesn't judge you because Jesus was judged. This is why he can wel welcome sinners like you and me into his family, sick people. Why? Because he's the one that does the healing. The, the, the issue is, is will you come? Will you see what Jesus Christ has done for you? Will you see that he gave himself for you, that we are sinners that he wants to make sons by giving his own self. That's the idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he says, you can be my friend. 
Now, if you're going to be a friend of Christ, you're going to have to see the beauty of Christ. That, I mean, by the Spirit of God, you're going to have to see it. I haven't talked to someone briefly like, you know, sometimes you're not, you're not the prodigal son. No, you're always the prodigal son in some way. You're trying to find life apart from Jesus. That's rebellion against God. You're going to have to come. You're going to have to have a time. You're going to have to have a time where you're like, enough is enough. You're going to have to come to your senses and say, my sin is really bitter and it's not going to bring me life. Have you had a moment in your life where you've come to the end of yourself? That you look around and you see the pigsty you're in and all fingers are pointed at you, not other people, at you. Have you come to a time in your life where you can come to a safe place, say, Jesus already knows that and that's why he came. That he is a safe place. That you have intimacy with God and he sees all. And he doesn't judge. Why? Because he took our judgment. There's, there's a place this morning, if you can come to yourself, confess your sin, that you can walk out on the, the forgiveness of Christ, the freedom of Christ, a new name, which is yours in Christ. You don't have to walk with your head down, but your head held high. You don't have to cover up, but you can reveal. Why? Because Jesus has covered you. You can walk as a new creation in Jesus Christ, a friend of God. Why? Because of Jesus. But, but you're going to have to see yourself rightly. You're going to have to see who you truly are. There's tax collectors in the center, and in this story, there's an elder brother. And there's, there's, I know there's some people right now is like, I'm not bad. I'm going to tell you right now, you're the worst. Know why? Because you don't even see how bad you are. And I'm telling you, in John chapter 9, Jesus says he's so concerned for the people that, that think they can see, but they're blind. The people that think they got it together, he's most concerned about. Why? Because they don't think they have a need for a physician. Jesus is the great physician. He's saying, everyone's sick. Come to me and be healed. Come to me and find life. This is the invitation of the heart of Christ. He says, I'm gentle and lowly and I've come for you. Will you come to him this morning? Will you come to him this morning and leave your sins, your self-indulgences, your self-righteousness, and stand in Christ and walk in the freedom that God's given you, walk in the love that God's given you? Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd help us understand what Jesus is saying, that, that he doesn't deny that he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He didn't deny us. Why? Why? Because he came for us. He died in our stead so we could have life. God, I pray that you'd help us believe that. He came to embrace the drunkards, the gluttons, the thieves. The only ones that will not be embraced is the ones that are self-righteous, that won't come to him. God, I pray that you bring humility into our hearts and that we'd run to you this morning and find life, find joy, pray that you bring intimacy, God, with us and you through your son, that you're not surprised by our sin, but God, I pray that we'd be surprised by your grace. Help us taste and see that you're good. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.